Rorschach's Journal, October 12th, 1985. Dog carcass in alley this morning. Tire tread on birth stomach. This city's afraid of me. I've seen its true face. The streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are full of blood. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up around their waists. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. And I'll whisper, No. Hey everybody, this is Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks fan. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. And you can help support the Batman Universe by heading to patreon.com slash thebatmanuniverse. It's been a while since I said that, Tim. It has, but I think you nailed it. I actually had to think about what our name was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that you mentioned it, we only got a few more episodes left with that as our title. The year's almost done. Like one or two, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, so so, so we need a new title. Better start thinking of one. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, I've cautiously stayed off of Twitter, Tim. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to read your tweets, and I wanted to hear it uh, from you on this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, 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 ju- I'm just wondering your opinion on about about sorry the uh, the Yankees and how it took him forever to find a new manager, <laughs> yeah, and who they picked, yeah. So first off, like I said, I was surprised it took him this long because. Usually, once manager or teams, you know, fire a manager, decide not to bring back a manager, they kind of make it a priority and get it done right away. And I'm, I'm sure the Yankees did make it a priority, but they really, really took their time. They interviewed six people, and but they decided on Aaron Boone, who is, you know, a Yankee for half a season, but <laughs> he's he's etched in Yankees history forever with that big home run and game seven of the ALCS. So. He he hit a knuckleball pitch, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he didn't launched. miss it, though. He didn't miss it. <laughs> and he launched it into the upper deck. So he hit a 60-mile-per-hour pitch, Tim. <laughs> but I he guess that's it to the World Series. <laughs> yeah. And then he broke his ankle, and then A-Rod came. <laughs> yeah. So he actually had two big impactful moments for the Yankees. <laughs> one on the field and one off the field. Did he break his ankle, or was it his leg? I think it was his leg. Oh, his leg. Yeah, playing basketball. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't have that in his contract. I know, but I wonder if it was a time before that became like a big issue to have that in your contract. Or, but I yeah. would think it would have been, at least for a lot of players. But I think it probably depends on the team. And that's probably a contract for the Reds, too. So, Because yeah. the Yankees got him in a trade. Yeah, right. But, right. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the decision, too. I knew, I mean, all the talk around baseball is how you know man, new managers that are being hired are you know younger they're kind of more inexperienced the old school way of managers is kind of going by the wayside so i knew it wasn't going to be like an old timer like a, a dusty baker or someone like that coming into the yankees it was going to be somebody new and it's going to be analytic driven which the yankees heavily are so it's going to be someone yeah i knew who i hate to say this but you know doesn't have full control like over a game and decisions, yeah. I think a lot of it's going to come from, you know, the front office, which, you know, like I said, the way baseball teams are going now, which I think is a shame. But I'm hoping 
there could be a nice balance here <laughs> with you know managing from your gut and just looking at the numbers and what the front office tells you will would work in certain situations so but i think it's going to be interesting this will be the first time like in a long time maybe even ever where the yankees you know are going in with a great team but you know have an inexperienced manager no coaching experience no managerial experience it's yeah going to be interesting to see how he does but everyone says he's like in, in the interview and just him as a baseball analysis on ESPN, everyone says how, you know, what a great baseball guy he is, very knowledgeable. And, you know, everyone says he has a great personality. And the main things Yankees, well, one of the reasons why they didn't bring Girardi back was they wanted someone who could, you know, communicate with the players better, which they felt was kind of an issue with Girardi. So I think Aaron Boone probably impressed some in that regard too. So I'm excited for it. I think it's a good choice, but it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out because it's going to be, like I said, a first for, the Yankees to have a really inexperienced manager at the helm for the season. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. That's what I don't understand because how is that really going to work? Um, I mean, let's say they go into a, a game, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a game plan. It was from, uh, you know, the, the executives or whatever of the Yankees. And then it's not really working halfway through the game. How are they going to relay that to the manager, the team, well, the coaches? You know, yeah, that's the thing where that's where you know the true managerial skills come in because yeah. they can have a plan, but when it doesn't go to plan, I think that's where the manager has to prove you know he's a good manager and you know come to the decision right then and there to make a good one. So I think that's where the experience and or in this case inexperience is going to play a big factor into Aaron Boone as a manager. So I I would think they'd probably like to hire a you know, experienced bench coach to kind of help him out with that. Yeah. So he's not totally all by himself with making these decisions. Uh, so we'll see who they decide for a bench coach. Well, I wish you luck, Tim. I mean, I think the, the, the Yankees, maybe the Red Sox, maybe the Dodgers are the only teams that can reach the ALDS, be, be within one game of uh, making it to the, the ALCS and fire their coach. <laughs> I know it's crazy. All these teams that made the postseason and they got new manager. <laughs> I know. I don't well, not the Dodgers. They still got their Dave, Dave Roberts. Roberts yeah. yeah, he was last year, but still, like, I know the Red Sox and the Yankees. <laughs> when was the last time? I think they got rid of managers the same years yeah. and both made the playoffs. And the, the Nationals, that's the other team. They fired Dusty Baker, Dusty oh, Baker yeah. after they made the playoffs. But who would have thought um, Dave Roberts would, would be such a great coach? I know he, he won manager of, the, uh, manager of the year last year, and he was yeah. one of the finalists this year too. So <laughs> he's doing a good job. Hopefully, you know, same will happen with Aaron Boone. <laughs> but yeah. Dave Roberts was a bench coach for a little bit first, so he had oh. a little bit of experience. So, like, like I said, Aaron Boone's going in there, you know, <laughs> pr- pretty fresh with what, with hardly any coaching experience. So he he, he has no experience. Nope, not in the coaching. Yeah, because after he retired, right. he just went straight to the, becoming yeah, a broadcaster. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, good luck with that, Tim. We'll see how <laughs> that turns out. I no mean, thanks, yes. I mean, he's... I, I, I would never have thought that um, Girardi had trouble communicating with the players. I thought he was a player's coach, really. Me too, yeah. I mean, I didn't think there was some big thing. You know, there's this big disconnect between uh, the manager and, and, and the coach there. I thought it was more of a thing, uh, 
more of a talent-wise thing, whereas he just didn't have the talent to work with. You know, he didn't have the next Derek Jeter. Now, now they do though. Yeah, now <laughs> they right do. They but, get it. He's gone. <laughs> but I, I, I thought it was one of those situations where he would lose his job over that. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was. You know, he wasn't communicating with the players, uh, management. Yeah, like I also that. think there was some friction between him and the front office too. Yeah, yeah, which kind of that, played a part that, in it. That's that's what I thought too. But, um, yeah, like I said, good luck with that, Tim. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to turn out, but me neither. <laughs> I, I hope Aaron Boone can can do something there. <laughs> yep. Hopefully, create another magical moment like he did in that ALCS, except yeah. this time from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose I. I should probably give my thoughts on Justice League. I I, I saw it on. Whoa, uh, you did see it, man! Uh, you get that high five. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I I saw it the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Um, theater was kind of empty. <laughs> I was gonna say it was probably yeah. empty. Huh? <laughs> it was. Uh, well, I I kind of went in the morning time, so I didn't go at the prime time. But uh, mm-hmm. the theater was kind of empty. Um, it's okay to like a movie. Uh, if you're listening to this and you like Justice League, it's okay. Uh, it probably makes you a better fan than I am, but I, I, I didn't like it, Tim. <laughs> I, well, I, I can't I just, say I'm shocked, Dave. <laughs> I, I thought it was more of the same, the same uh, problems that Batman versus Superman had. They didn't really improve anything. Yeah, there was more jokes, but it kind of felt like the Flash was just there to tell those jokes. And it was just missing, 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 swinging and missing, you know. Uh, they didn't really do anything with the characters. I mean, you you have, you know, the most po- popular characters in the world, you know. Uh, and you, you, you don't do anything with them. It's, it's just, I mean, you, you do stuff with them, but it's so just typical. I mean, it's so expected that it's it gets and, and, and i mean that's the problem too it the it, it wouldn't be so bad if the movie wasn't so boring it's it's so boring i mean i know they they shortened the the run uh the the, the time you know in the movie but it it's it still kind of was a little boring and you pair that with your your character is doing nothing i mean i know they they sort of you know they they fight Steppenwolf or whatever, but like it's just they kind of just do that, and then there's nothing after that, and that's my 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 problem with it. It's there's a lot of cool action scenes, and you know remember this from the comics, but there's nothing really to back that up after that's done, um, and. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to make this a long thing, Tim. Uh, I, I'm just going to say I didn't like it. I didn't really like it. Um, yeah, yeah, I knew. Yeah, I, I was hoping when you saw that your expectations were so low going in that it would have been better than you expected. So, <laughs> But at the same time, I, I knew that it probably wasn't going to be your cup of tea. But Yeah, it's it's like they were trying too hard. You know, to make a lovable, I guess, superhero film, um, it's just not working out, and I think it's gonna need a reset. 
we have to go back and do this again. It's it's not a matter of let's wait for that hit movie. Mm-hmm. I think we're at the point where it's like we have to go back and reset. We need a whole new cast, um, whole new creative team. Um, this this isn't really working anymore. And I, I, I know there were rumors that uh, even before Justice League came out that um, Warner Brothers was thinking about replacing Zack Snyder. Mm. Um, I think that's the right decision at this point. Um, yeah, know. I think that's a given now. Yeah. Like, um, even if Justice League was a big success, I think he wasn't coming back anyway. Like, this yeah. was it no matter what. And plus, too, he has that fam- the, the family stuff he needs to take mm-hmm. care of. And, you know, that always comes first. Um, so... I, I don't know. I think I'm at this point where I think we need to just reset it again. Um, and I, I think that's going to happen because, I mean, regardless of, you know, my feelings on the movie, which we heard yeah, on yeah. our last episode, I really loved it. But right, right. I mean, the proof is in the pudding with the box office numbers. I mean, yeah. it's. I think it's going to happen regardless of how I feel about the movie. Just that general audiences now just, you know, it hasn't connected with them as far as it being a successful, you know, cinematic universe to fully move forward in. And as much as I hate to say it, I kind of think what you're saying is probably going to happen, Dane, where we're going to see some recasting. I don't think we're going to get a full-blown reboot of everything because Wonder Woman was obviously successful and that's getting a sequel. We got Aquaman coming next year. And if that's a big hit, I think that'll continue. I just think the world building is going to be so like lesson now and you probably won't even see connections to like other characters for any of these upcoming movies they have planned and speaking of that type of situation matt reeves batman i'm kind of thinking now that that might just be a full-blown reboot uh i think ben affleck's definitely not gonna star in those yeah movies now it's gonna be a fresh start and i'm kind of wondering since you know if they're gonna take a step back from this whole cinematic universe and because remember they made the announcement of that Joker movie being separate from that. I'm kind of wondering if Matt Reeves Batman movies are going to be part of that, you know, Elseworld movie uh, or line of films where it's not going to be connected to the greater DC cinematic universe. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the problem I think <laughs> is this Joker movie. Um, and you know, let's say Matt Reeves Batman is going to be part of that universe. I think we just need to clean the slate put somebody in charge that knows what they're doing. Patty Jenkins. She's the only Mm. successful director that you've had uh, do this. Uh, Put her in charge. She seems to know what she's doing. Um, And you know, I think that's what the problem is, is that you look at Wonder Woman and what Patty Jenkins did. And you look at what Christopher Nolan did with the Dark Knight trilogy. And what did they do that's different from this? I think the main difference is the fact that they made real movies. They they, they made movies. They they didn't make, you know, this flashy sort of CGI cartoons fighting movies. Sure, there's a little bit of that in in, in uh, Wonder Woman, but she, Patty Jenkins made a movie, um, and I think that's the main difference. And I think that's what we need. Um, that's that sort of CGI cartoon fight fight stuff that works great for Marvel, right? That works great, but what's behind that? It's a great story that you know interconnects every single movie that they put out. Uh, but I think for for Warner Brothers, for DC, for 
the 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 live action movies i think a they need a a reset they need a hard reset um i don't think you can really keep anything from this um sort of universe we have right now except for wonder woman Mm -hmm. maybe build it around her instead yeah i think they Um, would be smart to do so yeah yeah maybe build it around her universe um you know, make for the lack of a better example, you know, make one woman, the Iron Man. Mm, sure. Build I around that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think that's what we really, really need. But, um, you know, we, we don't know what Warner brothers is doing right now. Um, but if they do keep this, I kind of, Tim, I have hope. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard to believe, you know. Uh, you know well, you know what this reminds me of, Dane? Yeah. The what? summer of 2011, June to be exact. Really? When Green Lantern bombed at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> and it put, you know, everything on hold for what they were hopefully planning to do. What, you know, Green Lantern yeah. was supposed to be the launch of their, you know, cinematic universe. And that tanked. And now Justice League, man, I got to tell you. I was shocked at how low its opening weekend numbers was. I mean, yeah, ninety-three million is higher than Green Lantern's fifty million, but it comes out to pretty much the same when you look at what it should have made. Yeah. And it reminded me totally of that. And just you know how Warner Brothers is probably gonna have to pick, take a step back and just see what they want to do moving forward, and maybe scrapping some plans they originally had to you know do a little soft reboot with everything. And I, I definitely think the Justice League sequel is not going to happen for a very long time. And as much as I love that end credit sequence with Luthor and Deathstroke setting up a potential sequel, uh, I hate to say it, I'd be shocked now if we got that anytime soon, or even if we get it at all, which you know yeah. is a bummer. But it's kind of what Warner Brothers has to do right now. And just I think they're going to focus on, like we said, these standalone movies first: Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Matt Reeves, Batman, uh, Shazam. And then see how good those do. Maybe do a few more sequels. And then if they just have a continuous streak of really good movies with these characters, then I think that's when the possibility of another potential Justice League will happen. But it's, I think it's going to be way down the line. They just got to, you know, get these single movies they have coming out right first. Yeah. And uh, th- this isn't a I told you so, but I think, I mean, that's what I've been saying this whole time, you know. Mm. I think we need to have great movies first, single movies, you know, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, that aren't so force, forced, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, connected like this, you know, and, and I think that's what Justice League's problem was, is they tried to, they tried so hard to make these characters connected when there's nothing there, and it's not very well uh, put together really well, you know? And I think that that's what, uh, justice, justice league's problem was. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I do have hope with all these new younger directors coming in, you know, actual filmmakers. Um, you know, you got Matt Reeves, you have Patty, Patty Jenkins, you have Taika Waititi from the, um, the Thor movie doing, you know, the Thor movies now came you know, a long way from being, you know, a co-star in green lantern. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I do have hope and 
that the, these younger filmmakers that are true filmmakers, you know, um, that that don't direct, you know, big block blockbuster movies, are, you know, the future of this, of whatever this franchise becomes, you know. But in the end, I feel like they need a hard reset on this. Um, it's just not going good. It's it's not good. Um, yeah, it obviously hasn't worked with everybody. Well, I mean, put it this way. Um, I think it was Warner, was it Warner Brothers or was it Universal that that tried to relaunch uh, the you know like the Mummy and uh, Kong Skull Island, Skull Island, and that they, they were going to do like this whole monster universe. Well, but those then, are separate. The Kong Skull Island, and that's connected with Godzilla. I think that's Warner Brothers. Those have been successful, but. Yeah, yeah, Universal did the Mummy, which you know tanked. I think that killed that whole. Yeah, there was like, supposed to be a Mummy monster and Doctor yeah. Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Yeah, there's gonna be this whole monster Frankenstein Wolfman. I think yeah, yeah Frankenstein Wolfman. Oh uh, yeah, but like those movies didn't do very good. And then you mean ooh, that ooh, one movie because they only made one. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> For some reason, I because uh, I think Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde were in. Uh, that mummy movie. Okay. Um, Did you see that? Yeah. That <laughs> was as bad as everyone yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, they should have just kept the, the Brendan Fraser ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, they were trying to create the, what, what DC is trying to create. But it didn't mm-hmm. work out. They canceled it. You know, so it can be done. You know? Um. I just think this needs a hard cancel and it needs to be reset at this point. Um, I don't think, I mean, sure, Tim, you liked it. I didn't really like it. We both saw it, but it's, it's the general audience, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. who has to love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, if I had to give it a rating, Tim, I'm going to give it uh, a one out of five. Ouch. One, <laughs> one because I thought some of the action scenes were good. Um, it was great seeing Wonder Woman, <laughs> uh, e- even though she was it, she was just there to be an exposition machine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, and then this happened, and then this happened. Oh, come um, on, Cy- she, Cyborg wouldn't have joined the team without Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that cyborg, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a costume. I think it's mostly CGI'd on. Oh yeah. It's all CG. It does not look good. You see, I didn't have a problem with cyborg at all. Really? I, yeah. yeah. None, none of his shots took me out of anything. No. I just thought it didn't look good. Like his head was too small <laughs> on, his, <laughs> on his body. Um, flash, um, yeah, the, Grant Gustin is Flash. Yeah. <laughs> See, right, I I love I love the both. Like right now, I don't have. They're both good for really different reasons, in my opinion. So, like I don't have a favorite out of them right now. So I thought uh, Ezra Miller was really good as a Flash. So he, but, well, it, put it this way, um, he, here's another positive. I I came out of the movie um, uh, really really thankful for Grant Gustin <laughs> 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 because uh, Ezra Miller. I'm not sure. I'm sure he's a great actor. Um, I haven't really seen him in anything else, but it seemed like every time he would deliver these jokes over and over again, it just wasn't hitting. Like I don't know if it was the bad 
they were just written as bad jokes, uh, or what, but I don't know, they, they just weren't hitting, um, Aquaman, he, he was just a, yeah, machine, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, or a woohoo machine, you know, uh, I, I don't know, he must have said, like, seven or eight woohoos in that movie, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I think my, we might have my, found our rating scale for this yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> my biggest criticism, and I hate to say this, Tim, and this is probably going to be the, the last of the, the of, of this podcast, um, was Ben Affleck. Really? Wow. Yeah. I. You can tell in every single scene he doesn't want to be in this franchise anymore. Um, or that's at least the impression that I got. There's no, I mean, he's just, you look at his face and he's just, you know, not, not trying to act at all. He's just trying to get through it, um, throughout the whole movie. I felt like, um, and yeah, well, well, sadly that's probably true. Even though I didn't get that feeling watching it, yeah. it's probably accurate <laughs> that that was the case for him. And what I didn't notice um, in Batman vs. Superman is that uh, the Batman costume, Ben Affleck can't turn his head that well. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that. So, My brother kind of picked that up when we saw it. And I thought, yeah. you know what? I think you're, you're right. It doesn't have that great you know, maneuverability that I think we got used to with uh, Bale's suit from The yeah. Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Like They kind of went back, I guess, that yeah. <laughs> uh, material rubber word was a little more harder to move your head. Yeah. And I think that's the problem too. It's like, um, you know, with, uh, this Ben Affleck, Batman slash Bruce Wayne, uh, if you compare that to the Christian Bell, you know, uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne, the, the, I don't know. I just feel like there's nothing there in the Ben Affleck, uh, Batman. I mean, at least Christian Bell was trying to do something interesting. It seems like in this movie, uh, Ben Affleck, there's just nothing there. Like he's not. It's it's like he's not even trying. And I think what stinks too is that we never Ben Affleck never got the chance to you know be in his own Batman movie where you know the focus was on you know yeah. Batman and Bruce Wayne as a character and progressing the story from there. He was always you know part of a larger story in Batman v Superman and now with Justice League where he couldn't be the focus to you know have him do you know be do more interesting things that maybe you were looking for in a Batman story. So it's kind of unfortunate now that more than likely we won't get to see him do a solo Batman film. Right. We won't potentially see that. And another thing too is why was commissioner Gordon in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, you know, they had to <laughs> explain, you know, the first, get the justice league's first mission together with those missing scientists and Gotham. Yeah, it was like, Hey, you know, I think it was a cool might... sequence though. <laughs> Cause weren't they in this, in the Gotham sewers? Wasn't that mm, it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, hey, I think there's something going on in the sewers. And then his scene is done and he's never seen again in the movie. <laughs> Remember, it's not a Batman movie, so Gordon wasn't going to have a big role anyway. <laughs> and why did, why did J.K. Simmons get ripped for that? <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a trench coat the, the entire time. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he got ripped just for Justice League, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I I don't want to make this a long thing. I know a lot of people loved it, uh, you included, Tim. Um, 
in the end, I think it's time for reset. We need to, we need a fresh batch of movies. Um, start with something small. Uh, start with a Batman movie. You know, the winning formula. Uh, start with the sequel to Wonder Woman. Um, it just needs a reset. It needs a new um, person in charge. Uh, Patty Jenkins would be great. She needs. She she seems to know what she's doing. Um, yeah, they they yeah. just need a reset on this. Um, it, it stinks for me, like being on such a high after seeing it, then not the the following after to see yeah. how poorly it is. Like uh, kind of <laughs> brings it down a little bit. But yeah, and, and that's what I wanted to ask you because I was. I listened to the, the podcast you did, and you you loved it and everything. But the box office isn't there, Tim. And no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, like everybody's kind of down on it. So, like, what's your perception of all of this? Yeah, it's like it's very disappointing. I mean, that's yeah. the thing that can't even look at a silver lining for it saying well at least it did this and at least it did like no it's bad there's no other way around it i mean that's why i said before reminds why it reminds me a lot of green lantern 2011 just the poor box office performance and this audience is not showing up to see it it's just very very disappointing to see i mean this is the first we're getting a movie with superman batman wonder woman flash aquaman and all in the same movie together no hardly it did not have the audience that you'd think a movie like that would have and it's just very shocking it was shocking like i knew it wasn't gonna probably do i like really extraordinary numbers but i thought at least you know in the 100 million range but to not even crack 95 million that was really really bad so yeah it's just very disappointing and like i said still doesn't take away my you know love of the movie but like you just yeah. can't help but be disappointed that you know, it just didn't have the success that, you know, fans and I'm obviously Warner Brothers were hoping for it. But yeah, it's going to like like you said, I think uh, I don't know if a full blown reboot, but some type of reset's going to happen. They're going to take a step back, get the movies they have in production already out and then to see go from there. So it's going to be an interesting few years again for DC movies. <laughs> I don't think DC movies are going anywhere. It's just going to be, you know, something totally different from, you know, what we got the last few years in the extended universe. So. We'll see what happens, but I'll be there to be excited for it all unless something comes out that really turns me off. But so far, that hasn't been the case. But it should be interesting. You know what? I think they should go back, Tim, to 2011. And build the new cinematic universe around the the Ryan Reynolds. uh, (laughs) It's going to be hard to get Ryan Reynolds back now that he's Deadpool. Oh, yeah. I I totally forgot about it. He's great as Deadpool, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah that that's my thoughts on justice league it's okay to like uh like a movie if you love these movies hey g- and, great on and you at the same time to you dane it's okay not to like a movie yeah. as well so I'm, this doesn't make you any less of a fan yeah but i thought that ben affleck comment would have got me thrown off this podcast <laughs> <laughs> no, you're safe for now okay good good um i don't like the animated series <laughs> now you're kicked off the podcast. <laughs> By the way, um, you know, kind of switching things up from a negative to a positive. I finally bought Paul Dini's uh, Dark Knights. Oh, you did? Did you read it yet? Uh, yeah, I'm about halfway through it. He's on the, the date right now. He's walking the girl home. Mm. Um, yeah, I love it. I, right. I, I love the artwork. I love how he's 
he's telling the story. He's kind of pitching it to mm-hmm. the DC um, editors. I totally love that comic. It's it's so great. Yeah, it gets better even from that point where you're on now and up yeah. till the end. It's really really good. So, and, and yeah, I, I, I totally love that dinner scene where you know she's talking about like um, you know her her movie debut in some movie part two or whatever. Uh, and then um, Bruce Wayne and Joker are kind of, you know, his, his angel and his uh, devil. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, how can we, how can we only date girls that, how can we only date women that are in movies with Roman numerals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's more great stuff coming. Well, written. with the, that Batman and Joker dynamic later on in the story, especially at the end. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm really glad you're reading it. It was really, really good. Yeah, that that whole dinner. I I love that whole dinner scene. Uh, it's really, really well written. Um, so yeah, um, turning a negative into a positive, Tim. There, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all it takes is the animated series. That t- turns everything to a positive. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, there's not going to be any future topic for this episode. Tim and I are just going to talk about uh, a lot of the news that's been coming out. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, up. yeah, there's but, but, there's. But first, Dane, we oh. got a got a little Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. Oh, how could I have forgotten? <laughs> how could I have forgot? You know, it was all the baseball talk, and then it went into the Justice League talk, and mm. I totally forgot about it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, let's do our, our Dark Hat Rises minute by minute commentary because we need to do one for every single episode that we do and we're we're on minute ninety four. We've done ninety four minutes of this, Tim. An hour we're and thirty four. Close to hundred. Yep. Yeah, we only have an hour and eleven minutes left. No, we better enjoy it while we can, Dan. Yeah. It's gonna be over yeah. before we know it. <laughs> yeah, two hours and forty five minutes is the the runtime. Um so yeah, we're on the 94th minute, um, going to the 95th minute, so grab your HD DVD, grab your uh, projector, grab your VHS tape, grab your beta uh, tape, grab your... Um, your Blockbuster Video membership card? No, before we get to that one, what was it, Tim? Oh, the Netflix digital media? No, no, no. Or I should say physical media. Uh, no, it, it was analog, Tim. It was analog. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh, the big discs. Oh, what laser disc. Laser disc. <laughs> How could I forget? They were so big. Um, grab your laser discs. Grab your, um, yes, like Tim said, your Blockbuster rental, unless you live in Alaska, where that's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to say that now. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, and grab your Netflix physical media <laughs> subscription um, rental, right? Um, yeah. And just keep Unless it- you want to buy it afterwards. I, don't know. I think you have that option, don't you? <laughs> I'm oh, not sure. Can you? I know so you like, could for uh, Gamefly with video yeah, games. So yeah. I'm not sure if that applies to Netflix too. But <laughs> Did you ever do that? Yeah, I did. I was on Gamefly for a few years. And then, like, let's say you liked this game, right? And then mm-hmm. you would just yeah. tell them that you liked it? And yeah, you just, you're gonna keep you would it? just uh, click the buy button online and they'll send you the box for it. Because they just send you the disc with a sleeve, but if you buy yeah. the game, they'll send you the box and everything for it. So. Oh, I see. So, so was there like a, any kind of discount? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I think it depends on if it was a new game. I never bought like a brand new game through there. It was just yeah. kind of been an older game that I never played before and liked it and wanted to keep it. It was like 
yeah. 20 bucks, something like that. So, Yeah, I see. Oh, and you know what I meant? Uh, I've been meaning to ask you for over a month now, Tim. Um, but I just kept forgetting, and then I wasn't on the... Um, I wasn't on the Justice League episode. Mm. Um, you know when you used to work at GameStop, I specifically remember that whenever a new game would come out, let's say a Final Fantasy game, they would also try to sell you the strategy guide. Mm-hmm. Was that mandatory? Yeah, they would it was. Try, to get, try to have those add-on sales is what they call them. You buy the game, but add on some more stuff that they might need for an extra controller or strategy guide. And if you got the strategy guide with the game, you get yeah. 20% off the guide. So that was kind of the incentive to try to get customers to get the strategy guide with the game. So, so that would also apply that, that sort of sales technique that would also apply to um, collector's edition, like physical collector's edi- editions. Like I know with the halo games, you also got like the helmet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the, that would also be the case with the uh, special editions and stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Because those special editions don't come with the strategy guides. So yeah. <laughs> you got to try to push up. So, so like, w- would you try to convince somebody to buy the special edition, right? And then they say, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll get it. It's only like $25 more or whatever. Would you also try to sell them the strategy guide? Yeah. I mean, uh, I would just say it once. Like, hey, you want to buy the strategy guide with it? You save 20%. If they say no, okay, I want to try to push it or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not trying to irritate them, right? Yeah, just say it once, and if they say no, move on. <laughs> yeah, no, I see. I wonder if they still do that, or if they still have strategy guides. Like, this. I know. I wonder how much they sell because you got wiki pages now. You could easily look yeah. up guides online. So I'm sure they still make them. But I just wonder how much they they sell. I'm sure not like they used to. Yeah, because they were like twenty bucks, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Now they even well, they, I know they still make them because I got one for Final Fantasy 15 last year, and it was, it was I got a big guide for it. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. they be collector edition of the guide, <laughs> not just the game. So, oh, I see. You know, when yeah. I was young, it, like, like when I was um, younger, and I had a PlayStation, the, the uh-huh. first PlayStation, I remember buying Silent Hill. Right, I think I told you this story, and they. It, in the um, the instruction guide, it would have a strategy guide number that you would call. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like, you would call the number, and then if you were stuck on something, and then you would call the number, and they would tell you the solution or whatever. I didn't know at the time that they charged for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how big was your phone bill? It wasn't that bad, Tim. <laughs> I mean, when you're young and you don't have a lot of money, it was really bad. But it ended up being like $76. Man, Dan, you were really bad at that game. You got to call <laughs> that much to <laughs> try to figure so. out how to beat it. <laughs> yeah, it was just the puzzles. Like, the puzzles were made for, you know, people that just do puzzles. And, you know, not for a kid that just yeah. wants to <laughs> kill monsters, you know. <laughs> oh, that's funny though yeah I wonder if they still do that <laughs> like for oh, Final I, Fantasy I like, doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> like for Final Fantasy like I wonder if like oh I'm stuck on this this dungeon or whatever <laughs> you call the number um oh 
You know what else I forgot to ask you, Tim? What's that? Uh, you own a Nintendo Switch, right? Uh-huh. A game came out, uh, a remastered game came out not too long ago. That Is was... it L.A. Noir? <laughs> <laughs> How did you guess it, Tim? Oh, did man. you buy it? <laughs> no, I didn't, because I still have the Xbox 360 version. <laughs> And you still don't play it. I played it once, and I then we talked about it before. How I liked the game; it was fun, different, but uh, yeah. that ending was really lame. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't like it either. Um, I wouldn't mind if they made a sequel of it. I would, I should say, because like I said, the premise and the gameplay style of it was pretty cool. Yeah, I loved uh, solving all the crimes and stuff, and yeah, doing the interrogations. Yeah, the interrogations, and um, you really had to read the person's face. Um, you couldn't just guess. Otherwise, you wouldn't get the piece of information. Yeah. See, that'd make it for a cool Batman game like that, too. Yeah, yeah. S- speaking of which, man, I'm so behind on the Telltale series. I know the oh, third episode too. just came out. I haven't played the second one yet. Yeah, me too. I haven't played the second one either. Uh, I was gonna got to get back up, back into those before I get really you know behind. I'm hoping you know it's not the case where the final episode's out and I haven't started the second one yeah. yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, well, what were we doing? Our minute-by-minute commentary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. Back to the minute-by-minute commentary, yes. Yeah, let's do that. So so just queue up your various media that we don't use anymore, unless you live in Alaska, um, and just queue it to the 94th minute, and then I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, three, two, one, hit play. Dane, or is <laughs> Dane? Dane. <now. laughs> well, your names are pretty similar, Dane. Yeah, Dane. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a letter. Letter uh, difference. Uh, gonna say Bane mentioning the mysterious Gothamite who's the trigger man. I gotta say, when I first saw this, I kind of just you know didn't pay attention to it or whatnot. Where I was like, yeah. like when Talia revealed that she was like, oh yeah, Bane mentioned that <laughs> back in <laughs> the football field. But uh, I like how he just casually threw the headset mic on the floor. <laughs> A literal mic drop uh, right there. <laughs> and right on Dr. Pavel. Yeah. Or at least near him. And we're getting into the no man's, no man's Land section of the movie. Yeah, I had a lot of hopes for this. I mean, I knew they, they took some of it, but mm. I thought it was going to be like an all-out No Man's Land. Like, there's going to be different gangs and stuff. Mm, yeah. It may have been a four-hour movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. if they are going to go that route. A four-hour, two-part movie. Imagine doing minute by minute commentaries yeah. for that <laughs> long of a movie. <laughs> Eight hours. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> but the minutes update. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. oh sorry. I was I was just watching that guy talk to the uh, the army you guy. Must, you must not have your counter on. <laughs> no, no, it disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, might stop the minute stop right when you know the first shot of the military on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so yeah. Like, like I said before, we're just not going to do a feature topic this episode. Um. By the way, did you do a minute by minute commentary for uh, the Justice League? I can't remember. No, no, we did. It was nothing but Justice oh, League for that one. Okay. Um. So yeah, we're just going to talk about some news topics. Um. And the first one is that Brian Michael Bendis, a noted Marvel writer, 
is going to be doing um, some DC comics. Yeah, this was, you know, a shocker when it first came out. I mean, I was totally not expecting this, but he was, you know, one of Marvel's top writers who did a lot of their big books back, you know, for quite a few years now. And I've been a big fan. I should say a big fan because I haven't read a lot of his stuff that he did. But the stuff I did read, I always enjoyed, especially the new Avengers when he relaunched that where you had like Spider-Man, Wolverine, a part of the uh, new Avengers team. Those stories were really good. And like that kind of era of Marvel stuff, I always really like. So I think it's really cool news that DC has him. And my hope is they stick him right on Justice League because talk about a comic that needs a good kick in the pants as far as, you know, to getting back up to be in a good title again. I mean, you would want Justice League to be your flagship DC book and it needs a great, you know, I don't want to say like reboot or anything, but it just needs a great, a new, fresh new take on it with a, a new writer because since the rebirth, it hasn't been clicking at all. And I haven't read it for a while and I don't, maybe it has gotten better, but I don't think it's up to where it probably should be. I think Brian Michael Bendis could be, you know, the perfect guy to go and read some new life into the book. But like he kind of did uh, with the Avengers, like I was saying with the, the new Avengers title. So I'm excited for it. I'm just interesting to see what he's going to do. Uh, as much as I hope he'd be working on Justice League, I have a feeling he's probably going to be doing a new project. Maybe like a, I don't want to say an event series, but kind of something that's not part of the main books right now. Maybe he'll focus on some characters in the DC universe that are familiar or kind of not familiar. I think it can go anywhere. So it's going to be interesting to see what he actually does. But my hope is it's going to be Justice League because I think he's the perfect guy to breathe some new life into that title. What did he do for Marvel? Uh, it's probably one of his biggest ones. X-Men? Is, uh, did he? Yeah, he did. I think he did new yeah. X Men or all oh. new X Men. But his big claim to fame is Ultimate Spider Man and launching the whole Ultimate Universe back in two thousand. Oh, I see the the, the Miles Morales uh, Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. So yeah, he pretty much jump started that whole universe on the Marvel side of things. So, and he did a lot of event series for Marvel too. So he was kind of like their go-to writer for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just cautiously op- optimistic because, um, didn't, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, sorry, that's hard to say. Um, uh, didn't he come from Marvel to DC? You know what? I don't remember what was first or not. If he was with Marvel or DC first. Because I'm not too familiar on that timeline yeah. with James Michael Straczynski. Because I know uh, he hasn't done anything for a while yeah. for both, if I'm not mistaken. Hasn't I know he, he did the Superman in, Earth 1 stuff. Hasn't he been working in um, TV? Maybe, yeah. I haven't yeah. followed his career too closely, so I'm not too sure. But Right. I think so, it's always interesting, though, when a big writer jumps from either Marvel or DC and see what they do with the other uh, publishers, characters and properties. So it is exciting when that happens, when it's a big name like Brian Michael Bendis. So I'm excited. Just hopefully we hear something soon. They don't leave us into the dark too long as far as what projects he's going to be working on. Uh, I'm just hoping for a plastic man. This could be it, Dane. This could be the plastic man relaunch you've been hoping for. Brian Michael (laughs) Bendis joined DC to do a Plastic Man story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know Plastic Man's probably going to come back in Dark Knight's Middle, so just, you know <laughs> this could just be the jumping off point. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, 
I'm I'm looking at the show notes and I see this one thing, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm very very curious about why it's on here. <laughs> <laughs> really, Dane? No, no, no. Of course, <laughs> Tim has to talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming to Injustice Two. Oh boy, was this awesome! <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you. When I first found out about this, and it could have been in a better way because I was watching Man of Steel because I wanted to do a DC movies rewatch before Justice League. I'm watching that, and my my brother comes in. He says, "Hey, uh, do you see the new DLC characters announced for Injustice?" I go, oh, it's "Like a while ago, I think it's like the Atom is their next big one." And he goes, "Oh, here, watch the video." He he gave me his phone. I hit play, and I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, there's the Adams, and he's fighting Enchantress. Like, oh, I didn't know Enchantress was going to be in it. Okay. And then they're fighting each other. Then a sigh gets thrown down in between them. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Is that what I think it is? Could it be? And then it gives to another shot with a character in the alleyway in the shadows in a trench coat. I'm like, oh, man, they're doing it. They're doing it. He rips off the trench coat. You hear the voices, and you see all four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the alley looking awesome with awesome character models in the cg cutscenes, and they're officially in injustice 2 wow what a shocker <laughs> i mean out of all the dc dlc characters to speculate on that would be in this game I, I would never have thought they would be in it but man i love it and it's kind of cool that i think that injustice is you know not limiting the character roster to just DC heroes and villains. I mean, Hellboy just came out not too long ago as a DLC character. And now we're getting the Ninja Turtles and man, it's such an awesome surprise. I just can't wait to play him and go have them go up against the various DC characters. I mean, obviously, you know, the big connection to the DC universe is Batman with the recent Batman Ninja Turtle comics, which I really think this is that comic series is to thank to getting the Ninja Turtles into Injustice and, you know, becoming a bigger part of, you know, DC, you know, crossover stories. So it's going to be awesome. I'm curious to see how they're going to play because it looks like you're like all four of them are going to be one character you select. So I'm curious how the gameplay mechanics are going to be when you pick them. Like, can you swap them out with each different turtle or do you start with one turtle and then depending on on the moves you do is going to bring out another turtle. So it's going to be interesting, but the graphics look awesome. Their character models look great. And I just cannot wait. <laughs> this is like, you know, anything I thought was possible when it comes to injustice to a character. This is going to be so much fun to play them as. And yeah, I think it's going to be around February when it should be out. I don't think they put an exact date yet, but sometime in 2018, but man, I wanted to get here quick. because <laughs> It looks so awesome. And it was great too, because they showed it at it was like at a fighting game uh, tournament, I, th- I believe it was, where Injustice, you know, was a part of it. And they were going to show a trailer that revealed the new DLC characters. And someone was filming the announcement video with the audience in there, and everyone just went nuts when <laughs> they saw that sigh get thrown down uh, between Adam and Enchantress. And when the turtles actually revealed themselves, everyone lost their minds like I did <laughs> once I saw it. So it was so cool to get that reveal, and I was glad. You know, my brother came and showed me and just said, hit play, because after that, if I were just to scroll on Twitter or on YouTube or anything, I would have seen, you know, thumbnail images of the YouTube video where people like saying, oh, my goodness, the Ninja Turtles. And I, I wouldn't have that surprise moment of just watching it like I did 
not expecting him to be in there. And it was such a great surprise. So yeah, it could have been a better way to find out. And now I just got to wait for that DLC pack to get released. And it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Yeah. And I didn't know that uh, people play Injustice 2 uh, competitively, like in these competitions for uh, cash prizes. Mm -hmm. I didn't know until um, when I saw something. I thought it was just the, you know, your street fighters, your Tekken, stuff like I think that. A lot of, I think a lot of video game developers who are doing fighting games, like their goal is to, you know, have their game be part of those, you know, competitive tournaments. Right, right. That new uh, Dragon Ball game, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, that's supposed to be, you know, they want that to be part of that uh, competitive gaming atmosphere too once that comes out. So I think that's kind of the goal most developers have, but I guess... You just got to wait and see if it makes it the cut to be part of those tournaments. Yeah. If only we were good at those video games or I'm decent at fighting games, but there's so much more better <laughs> players out there than me. It would be nice to be one of the more dominant ones so I could make money playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last uh, Ninja Turtle video game? Uh, last year, actually. Or was it two really? years ago? I think it might have been 2015, early 2016, something like that. But Was it a side-scroller? Uh, not a side scroller or more of a 3D oh. beat 'em up game. It was kind of an open world. Certain levels would be so it was good. It's not great. We still haven't gotten a yeah. great Turtles game in so long. I mean, the last really great one was on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Sad to say, yeah. Because <laughs> I saw on the PSN store they do sell um, the first Ninja Turtles game, the one in the arcade, and uh, Turtles in Time. Yeah, those the Turtles in Time is a remix one, which. Uh, not e- not even as good as the original ones, which was a bummer because I was looking forward to that remake, but yeah. it just didn't, wasn't the same. And like I said, Tim, to you on Twitter, um, I can't remember if it was the original Ninja Turtles game or the Turtles in Time. That was one of the best arcade games ever made. Yep, <laughs> it really <laughs> was. I spent I mean, so much money on that game. Same here. Yeah. It doesn't like you said the original or Turtles in Time. It doesn't matter which one because they were both amazing. <laughs> one of the best arcade games yeah. ever. But yeah. the one I played the most was the original arcade game. That game was so fun. Yeah, I remember also, where, where oh, I played ahead. it at. It was at a supermarket. Yeah, and my favorite turtle was Leonardo. But for some <laughs> reason, the the slot where you got to play Leonardo was always busted. I so I could never be him. Right, and, like right. for so long. And I remember one time because like somewhere you, the slot where you put the quarter in. It was like pushed in where it wouldn't accept your quarters. Oh, I the just, return. The return was pushed yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. And I kept pushing it like to try to unjam it. I kept doing it one night and I got it. I was like, yes, maybe it'll work now. I put the quarter in. I was like, yes, I'm finally Leonardo. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say you used to play it in a supermarket because the only place that you could play uh, the Ninja Turtle game, whichever one it was here, was at Chuck E. Cheese. Uh-huh. that was the only place that had it I checked every single arcade oh, yeah, that's surprising it. though it was so popular it, except for Chuck E. Cheese I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why So we would always go to Chuck E. Cheese instead of going to the arcade we would go to Chuck E. Cheese um, also surprisingly um, I don't know why I was thinking about this but one of the best, single best arcade games, surprisingly, was the Die Hard arcade game. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I never played that one. <laughs> yeah, that that was a really, really great game. Uh, 
But the best was the Ninja Turtle games, whichever one it was. <laughs> you can't go wrong with either one. Yeah. The um, Simpsons arcade game was really good, too. I don't know really? if you played that one. Yeah, it was like a beat-em-up style like Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. And then you just... There's like obstacles and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. No. No, I never played that one. I don't think we had it. They yeah. put it on the Xbox store and I think the PlayStation store like six years ago. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's still on there. but And you, you didn't buy it? No, I bought it. <laughs> uh, of course. Of course I bought it. <laughs> the, the the great thing about those, um, you know, sort of remastered games is that the download file is really small. Mm, so yeah. Take that long. But the bad thing is they don't stay on there forever for some reason. Like, yeah. it's, I guess the licensing gets complicated. And then what's really disappointing on the Xbox One, a lot of those classic arcade games, you know, aren't backwards compatible with it. So I can't play it on the new systems, which, you know, I really wish I could. Yeah. yeah and plus, too, I doubt that the the companies that made, it, made say, the Ninja Turtle game are mm-hmm. around anymore. Yeah, and different publishers, you know, have the licenses over different courses of the years. Yeah. I think Konami had it originally back in the Nintendo, Super Nintendo days, and then Activision had it, or they actually have it now. I think yeah. Ubisoft had it like 10 years ago. Ubisoft so it had keeps it. changing, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, okay, so don't buy the Turtles in Time then. If that's your only option, I'd, I'd say it's still worth the playthrough just to yeah. get that feel, but it doesn't quite capture the magic of the original one even the graphic style i don't like they should have just stuck with the original one or at least made it cell shaded have that comic yeah. or animated style feel to it yeah and plus too i don't really have four people to play with or three other people to play mm. with and there's no online for that <laughs> so, <laughs> well there, so there was like, when it first came out but i don't know if it's oh, like really? i don't know if they still have the servers up for it yeah. <laughs> no, I doubt that it. turtles and time remakes came out in 2009 so yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I don't want to be playing by myself because it it, it was the best when you could play with um, yeah all four four characters. So yeah, I get, like there's nothing quite like being able to play a turtles game when you had four players and all four turtles are on screen. That yeah. was special. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, moving on to our next piece of news is the Dark Knight trilogy is coming to 4K Blu-ray in December. Tim, right in uh, not for you anyway, but but right before christmas right yeah just about yeah and i guess we're gonna have to start adding blu-rays to our dead media formats for our dark knight rises I think so. <laughs> minute by minute commentary now that it's officially gonna be on 4k <laughs> i think so i think i think we're gonna have to lump blu-ray into that unless you say 4k blu-ray but yeah i don't know well, i guess we could say original blu-ray original. <laughs> or standard <laughs> standard <laughs> hd blu-ray <laughs> yeah so Tim, are you going to be buying it? Yes, I will. I mean, it was announced that pretty much all of Nolan's films are going to be released in 4K in a box set. I was like, oh, man, that should probably be worth it anyway, even though to get the three Batman movies, because pretty much all his movies are great. So it wouldn't be the worst thing. But they're they're actually going to have a box set just of the Dark Knight trilogy as, you know, that we could just buy separately, So, which is a great option to have as well. So I'll be getting that. Cause remember that ultimate edition that came out back in 2012? Yeah. You were like super excited for it. And then I was like super on the fence about it too. Yeah. Cause I never did end up getting it because it oh, was like 80, no. 
I, I, I thought it was the one where you were super excited about it and you bought it and you thought there were going to be like good special features on it. <laughs> it ended up being just the ones on the, the DVD, I think. Or no, the, oh, no, there was a new documentary, but yeah. it was only like 20 minutes. I think it's a pretty good length, but it oh. just at the time oh. for the price, it's like it just couldn't justify the purchase of, <laughs> of it for one new bonus feature. Right, so right. I'm hoping that documentary is on this 4K set because, you know, it would have been worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I just hope that, um, you know, it, it it isn't one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm so excited in, in 4K Blu-ray to... To watch this movie and then you pop it in and you're like, oh, that looks kind of awful, <laughs> like the CGI or whatever. They really said they're taking their time with their remastering of all of Nolan's movies, so hopefully it should be a really yeah. good transfer. Which is what I what I suspect. I mean, he, you know, all these people with, um, you know, release the original Star Wars uh-huh. uh, trilogy and the original whatever, right? The original releases. Yeah. I think that's going to be the problem if that ever happens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is awful. (laughs) Yeah. You'll you'll start to appreciate the special editions more and all the stuff they cleaned up and touched up on (laughs) that make it look better. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, Jim, I I hope you buy those and then there's something new on them. <laughs> uh, regardless, it'll be good to have them in 4K, right? And, right. Uh, especially, like I said, how much you know they're building up of how you know the care they put into remastering in 4K, so it should look really, really cool. Yeah i I still don't have a 4K TV. I don't think I'm going to buy one anytime soon. Um, I think it's just a a thing where it's. I mean, I was looking on Black Friday for. I mean, at the, the 4K TVs and stuff. I don't know, not yet. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm. Ex- uh, I don't think I'm ready to to buy <laughs> Make that. <the> jump. <laughs> yeah, to to spend all that money on it, where that might not be even be the technology of the future. You know. Well, you know, it's not. I mean, you're already hearing rumblings about 8K yeah. <laughs> down the line. So nothing is. That's the one bad part about being into you know always technology and gaming and these movies it's always going to improve which is kind of good and bad <laughs> yeah right but. right um but speaking of future things tim we're gonna get we're gonna get a harley quinn animated series coming to dc's streaming service which still hasn't come out yet right yeah they're just saying 2018 no exact date yet but hopefully yeah. soon because we're almost in 2018 so are you excited for it, Tim? Yeah, I think it should be. I'm just excited for the DC streaming service in general. They're getting some cool stuff added to here. We got Young Justice season three, the uh, Titans TV show, which we'll talk a little bit about pretty soon, and now this Harley Quinn animated series. We're just you know getting some good variety here, and I you know Harley Quinn animated series wouldn't be my first choice, but hey, I like Harley Quinn. <laughs> I like all the Batman characters i'm definitely going to watch and see how it is i think that's going to be about 26 episodes they have planned and they want to they said they want to get margot robbie to do the voice for arlie in this series which would be cool so hopefully they can pull that off and get her to do it the only thing that you know made me scratch my head a little bit or have a little pause is that i think it's coming from the same you know creative teams who did that uh, dc comedy show for nbc powerless which 
you know, got canceled pretty quickly. <laughs> and after like two episodes, they got something canceled. like that, yeah. or six I, or something. I never saw one episode, but I because I the trailers and stuff, it just didn't click for me. I didn't find it to any of those trailers to be funny or yeah. just have the tone of a DC comedy show. Just didn't work for me, so yeah. I never watched it. It didn't get good reviews. Obviously, got poor ratings. So hopefully, it was, it, it, it was a great concept. I have to say. It was really? a great concept, yeah. Because, I mean, sure, you can have your Batman show on Gotham, you can have your Flash show, but what about all these little people, you know, like the the citizens of Gotham? What about them? We haven't really heard about them, so it's a uh, great concept, you know. Yeah, maybe, you know, not, I don't know, maybe the concept was good, but just making it a comedy in the yeah. DC universe, I don't know, this, or sitcom style comedy, that's the probably better term I should use, just Never sound like an idea that I thought would work very well. Well, well, it's like this um, this new show that I've been watching on uh, the CBS All Access since um, Star Trek is taking a break. Um, uh-huh. You know how you have your big cop shows, you have your Law and Orders, your Sh- Chicago PD, or whatever it's called. Uh, you have your True Detectives. You have all these shows where you know the the detectives are after the the bad guy, right? No matter what the crime is, whatever, right? Uh-huh. But this new show is called uh, No Activity, and it's about it's it's a cop show, and they're trying to bust this drug deal, right? Except they're not they're not the big cops; they're the little cops, where it's like they get like the detail where nothing is going to happen. Like okay. Essentially, nothing happens. They're just talking in their car. And it's great. It's 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 the funniest <laughs> show I've seen in a while. It's like nothing is happening. They they even go to the call center, the the police call center. Nothing is happening. Uh, <laughs> they're they're in contact with the security guard. Nothing is happening there. Um, the drug deal isn't happening. There's nothing happening. They're just talking to each other. Um, it's it sounds like a weird concept. Um, so it's like the, a Seinfeld police show, but yeah, Seinfeld yeah. is a show about nothing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's it's kind of like your your Seinfelds or your True Detectives, except nothing is happening. You know, it's it, it's like your Law and Order where you know the, there's a murder or something, but you're following the beat cops that aren't really they're kind of involved with it, but they're cordoning off the block. You know, it's it's kind of their show. Instead of like you know the detectives have to find the the evidence you know it's 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 more it's more like the the beat cop that's cornering off the block sitting in his car doing nothing you know <laughs> it's more about that it's it's a great show if you if if you have CBS All Access you should so what's it called again No Activity <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but anyway. Like you said, I guess we should just go into it. Um, we got our first look at uh, Brendan Thwaites. Is that his name? That sounds as good as I'd probably pronounce yeah. it. So <laughs> let's go with that. We got his first, uh, our first look at him as in, in the Robin costume or whatever um, in the upcoming Titan series. Um, I'm getting a lot of Chris O'Donnell from this. Really? Wow. Yeah. 
I've got the exact opposite. I've got finally an awesome Robin <laughs> in <Really>? live action. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at it, and I kind of see that sort of flashy look to it. I mean, it's it's silhouetted kind of, or mostly. Mm. Um, but just going off of the mask and the the R the R sign and the this what we can see, it looks kind of chromey to me. A little bit, yeah. I yeah. know what you mean. And to be fair, the Crystal Donald Batman Forever Robin suit minus the nipples isn't really that bad. I mean, it's pretty comic accurate yeah. to Robin's costume that time. So, uh, but this suit, I mean, the colors I think stand out more, and probably not as you know metally or shiny as the Crystal Donald's was. I, I just so glad they're you know really really sticking to you know his look or the Robin costume that I love from the comics, the Tim Drake one just so perfectly <laughs> so far this one image and i just think the actor too um he looks great as robin the, the, the you know it's not the shaved head like crystal donald's was his hair looks like you would expect dick grayson's hair to be as robin but i just think it's cool we got an image of him as robin because i believe if i remember right pretty much all the press releases and information casting announcements uh said he was cast as dick grayson but he would be nightwing so if we get a transition from robin into nightwing over the course of the series i think that's going to be really cool to see and you know if his robin costume is looking as good as it does in this image i can't wait to see what his nightwing costume is going to be like so yeah this image just got me more excited for the titans tv show the titans tv show on the dc streaming app i think it's going to be really cool and like i said just another thing to be excited for once the dc app comes out just as long as it's the 80s um nightwing with the with the collar and the <laughs> The uh, mullet. I'll, you know I'll, what? I'll be happy. I bet they're going to make a joke about that. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> it's going to be like someone bringing out like test costumes or something showing Dick. Hey, what about this one? It's going to be that old Nightwing costume with a big collar. <laughs> and then Dick's going to say something. Yeah, I'll, I'll grow a mullet and I'll wear it or something like that. <laughs> they should bring that back in the current comics. So. Uh, yeah, have that be a part of Rebirth. <laughs> Um, and our final piece of news is the anime, uh, Batman Ninja. And um, before I give my comments, Tim, you said something very, or you hinted at something very, very interesting before we started recording. So I'm very, very interested to hear what you think. Well, I don't know if it's going to be that interesting. It's just that um, I'm not really sold on this movie as I thought I would be after seeing the trailer. I mean, first off, the animation looks really cool. I mean, it looks like an anime with Batman and it kind of, you know, similar vein to Gotham Knight that we got almost 10 years ago, but this is like full blown on the anime style that I think, you know, it's not going to be as different as the one in Gotham Knight was, or, uh, yeah, it was Gotham Knight. <laughs> I'm blanking on the title for a second. Cause I'd had a bunch of different animation styles in there. This one is just one that looks like a true anime film. And that's really cool. But uh, the character designs on some of them, I'm not really sold on it. But in particular, the Joker, uh, I know what they're going for because sometimes you see that type of anime character who are usually villains just flat out crazy and just have this, you know, crazed look in their eyes and their facial animations, almost like they're not human in a way. And I, that kind of fits with the Joker. It just kind of took me back a little bit. <laughs> it looked a little weird. And some of the other character designs I'm not sold on because in the trailer you see you know, Nightwing, Nightwing looks cool. Catwoman looks cool. Harley looks cool. But then you got Deathstroke in a type of samurai outfit 
which I don't know, <laughs> doesn't really fit. And then Robin kind yeah. of with his hairstyle looks <laughs> a little off. So <laughs> it's kind of hit and miss with the character designs on there. So, and I'm not too sure on the story. I got to say as well, what I was hoping for was that uh, we get us, you know, kind of an else world type tale, kind of almost like Batman Gotham by gaslight uh, where it's, Batman set in the specific time period, you know, where it's just, you know, a character in feudal Japan who maybe not even, you know, Bruce Wayne, but a character who takes on the mantle as Batman and fights, you know, it could be other characters who were, you know, based off other Batman villains like Joker or whatnot. But this story is going to be with uh, Batman pretty much going back in time or being sent back in time by the Joker to feudal Japan. And you know, it's just Joker and other Batman villains are trying to mess with the timeline and become rulers of Japan, I believe. And I was I was kind of hoping it wouldn't just be a time travel story and Batman, you know, going back into that era of Japan and trying to make his way back and stopping the Joker and all that. I mean, it could be cool, but I was kind of hoping for something that was, you know, kind of its own thing where, like I mentioned before, it was set in that time period specifically with the Batman in that era in Japan, I think would have been more interesting to me. So we'll see how it all plays out. Certain things about it look cool. Definitely still going to watch it. I mean, it's going to be something different, but uh, I'll check it out. So we'll just see. I have to wait and see. But right now I'm not super as excited for it as I thought maybe I would be after seeing the trailer. Yeah, we both uh, brought it up. Um, it's called Batman Ninja, but why is he armored in the samurai armor? Yeah. <laughs> It makes more sense for him to be a samurai. I always go back yeah. to that animated series episode, Night of the Ninja, where Batman tells yeah. Robin how different uh, he is to Kyodai Ken as a ninja and how he prefers the samurai way. So I do like that, how he's going to be more of a samurai in this, but the movie should have been called Batman Samurai, then, <laughs> not ninja. <laughs> yeah, and uh, going back to the design uh, decisions that you were talking about earlier, I think the Joker looks like a vampire. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It, that, and I think that's just the anime style. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the kind of look like, all the villains look like vampires for some reason. Um, so, yeah. Um, kind of looks interesting. I mean, maybe if they put it on Netflix, I'll watch it. But I don't think I'm going to go go ahead and buy it, you know. Yeah, it's going to be another one of those animated movies. Well, you'll just have to wait to hear what I think of it, Dane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, did I tell you I saw the Power Rangers movie? Oh, you did? No. Uh, what did you think? Kind of liked it. See? Yeah, wasn't it like better than expected? <laughs> it was better than expected. I saw the negative reviews that it got. Um, I have to say, kind of, I the, the cat. It, I think the main reason why I liked it is... Not the writing because the writing wasn't that good. I think it was the cast. Yeah, they cast yeah. as the uh, Power Rangers. I think they did a really good job. And if they build yeah. on that, I think they got a movie franchise. But not what I expected. I expected to not like it, like, like the 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 Justice League. Um, ended up liking it. So yeah, I I thought the same thing. I mean, yeah, the movies is really made by the great cast that they got for it. They worked well together. They had a good team dynamic and, you know, good enough backstories to set up, yeah. you know, for them becoming the Power Rangers. But it's kind of in the same shoes as Justice League where it didn't do that great at the box office. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get a sequel for it, which is a shame because yeah. I think if we could have gotten a really cool sequel. My knock on the Power Rangers movie was that 
we didn't get enough of the Power Rangers. It was just that end sequence. And I didn't think that end sequence was particularly great as, yeah. you know, building up all the way to that. It wasn't a great climactic battle sequence. So if we had more Power Rangers, like at the course of the middle and then we get to the end with more of them, I think it could have been a really good one or even better than, you know, what we did got. So, but I agree. I still really liked it. And again, better than expected. Yeah. It was like the last 20 minutes of the movie and you only get like one scene of them. Yeah. In the, in the car crash, right? <laughs> Pretty that, much. Like yeah. the, the uh, suit protects them or something. <laughs> the the power coins, yeah. Yeah. I, I never understood that. So what is that? Like, the 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 coins is that's, where the suit is. Yeah, that's pretty much the basis of their power. The yeah. coins is where they get the power. That they have them in their morphers, which you know enable to transform into their Power Ranger costume to get all their powers. So, but the yeah. coin is you know the source of. Without the coins, they have nothing. And you know what I totally forgot about um, Tim Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, As, <laughs> As uh, Rita. yeah, Rita Repulsa. Yeah, I totally she forgot she was in that movie. <laughs> Uh, she's selling it. She she's great. Um, yeah. Also, I like how they made it where you know she was the original Green Ranger and she had a history. Yeah. With Zordon and being an old Power Ranger, I thought that was really cool. The history they created for this version of the Power Rangers, I thought was really really good. And Brian Cranston was the original. Uh, yeah. Um, Red Ranger. Red Ranger. Yeah, yeah. Red Ranger. One thing I don't understand is you know how the robot was saying that uh, he programmed. Zordon into to speak English. Uh, How does Rita speak English or know English? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, yeah, but they're 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 from the same time era, right? Or, yeah, yeah. So I yeah, because they were understand. speaking another language in the beginning. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> good question, like, Dane. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. It, it, I was wondering if like, how, like, like, how did she learn English? But. It's just, I guess, one of those things you have to overlook (laughs) (laughs) or not to think too much about it. And also, I totally forgot Elizabeth Banks was in the Spider-Man movies. Who was she in that? She played the um, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's receptionist or whatever. Oh, Betty Brandt. Really? That was her? Yeah, Betty Brandt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Totally forgot she was in that. Yeah, same here, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... Did I ever tell you that the first time I ever watched, because over here we have a, a Japanese channel, the, the the first time I ever saw the Power Rangers was in Japanese. Was it the original Japanese show or was I it guess so. the American show dubbed in Japanese? <laughs> I guess it was the original Japanese show. Okay. And um, yeah, that was the first time, that that, that was also first, the first time I ever saw Pokemon, the Pokemon animation. Uh. It was See, in Japanese. I actually have the original Japanese Power Ranger show on DVD really? too. <laughs> uh, How did you get that? Uh, they made it available in the U.S. Like oh. I got it about two years ago. Oh, was it like a Shout Factory kind of thing? Yeah, uh, oh. it was exactly Shout Factory. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was so, funny so, seeing how different and out there those stories are compared to the, <laughs> the U.S. version. <laughs> yeah. What? It, what I didn't know or at the time I didn't know was that they just took, they, they just filmed the, um, the scenes where they don't have the costume on mm-hmm. <laughs> in America. And then they just took the Japanese stuff 
and pasted it into the scenes where they do have it. Yep. <laughs> That's actually what, really smart, though. What's crazy, too, is that how successful Power Rangers became in the U.S. Yeah. You know, that series was already done in Japan, but because Power Rangers is so successful, yeah. uh, Saban, you know, you know, actually paid to have them shoot new scenes in Japan just for them to use in Power Rangers without, you know, making any new episodes for really? the Japanese show. But they would film it like they were, but the the Power Ranger show in the U.S. would use that footage. So that just never aired in Japan. Yeah, uh, as far as I know, I don't believe so because I think they just filmed uh, the Japanese, you know, actors in the costumes, and then were just used by the U.S. version. So it's just crazy how successful it was, and still, <laughs> you know, Saban not wanting to film it in the U.S. That I guess, yeah, I, was I guess it was say. cost more cost effective to have someone else do it. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, but 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 what about the newer shows or the newer um, Power Rangers? Did they do the same thing where it was like, oh, the Japanese um, or Saban tried to do or did a new series. So let's let's just take the, the footage from the, the, the them in the suits and let's create a new series in America. Was that sort of the thing or did they I believe do it? so? Really? I never watched any of the other series, but I think it's, yeah. you know, it's still the same thing because those uh, Sentai shows still go on in Japan. And I think. You know, once it's over, they just, you know, do what they do, use the footage and just get U.S. actors and do it their own way wow. over here. So, wow. Yeah. It's a formula that I guess proves to work really well for Savon. <laughs> it's yeah. been going on for over 20 years now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, the, the let's just take the original cast, right? The, the original. Mm-hmm. Did they ever put on the suits? Uh, very rarely. Really? <laughs> they did shoot some scenes in America where they had, you know, them wear the suits and you could tell <laughs> where the material wasn't the same, especially the green Ranger, how he has that gold shield. Yeah. In the Japanese one, it's very small or streamlined. And the American version is real bulky and like this cheap foam <laughs> material that just doesn't look right. <laughs> oh, I see. So like they, they almost never wore the suits. They, they just did the, the, the the scenes like in the high school and um, yeah in the second season they had more where they wore the suits in the US yeah. but not still not as much as they did using the Japanese footage so they didn't do do a thing where it was like um, you know we're in the suits we're fighting the bad guy but now we have a calm scene and let's take off our helmets that's they were mainly when they go back to their command center. That's where the real actors would be in the suits, where th- they would have their helmets off, talking to Zordon or whatnot. That was probably oh. the most they were ever in their suits. <laughs> oh, I see, I see, I see. No, oh, that's weird. Oh, I guess it worked. It was a winning yeah, formula. Apparently, it did. Uh, <laughs> and it made a movie. So yeah. But the best thing going on for Power Rangers right now, I've said this before, but it's the comic series by Kyle Higgins. It's been so so good. Really. Yeah. Who, who who is that for? What publisher? Uh, Boom Studios, I believe. Oh, Boom Studios. Yeah. Well, it's good good to know he he still has work. Yeah, and <laughs> he's doing he's a doing great a job. job. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, that's our uh, Ranger talk, Power Rangers <laughs> talk. Um. Is, is there a podcast called called Ranger Talk? I'd be shocked if there wasn't. I mean, I don't know yeah. for sure, but <laughs> it seems like there's got to be. Or like a um, 
uh, Ninja Turtles podcast called Turtle Talk. I don't know if there's one called Turtle Talks. Like, uh, the main Turtle podcast I listen to is called the Turtle Power Podcast. Yeah. And I know there's one called Turtle Flakes and yeah. Turtles. I think there's one called Turtle Cereal. <laughs> or or might just be Turtle Flakes. It's one of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ever want to start a Ninja Turtles podcast, Tim, I got your name for you. Turtle Talk. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I would love to do one if I had more time. <laughs> Uh, Star Wars and uh, Batman is taking up most of your time and all the, yeah, the but- crossover podcasts that you do mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah uh, that's it for our news uh, Jordan didn't send an send email in because he's too he's too uh, big for us now um, yeah he's, he's on to bigger things now with his multiverse yeah. musings podcast <laughs> <laughs> Just Actually, don't forget about us totally, Jordan. <laughs> I listened to the one that you were on. Mm. And uh yeah, he's doing a great job. Yeah. So now did you uh, I don't think I said this on the episode. I think I told Jordan before we actually started recording, but <laughs> I when I listened to it, I noticed that me and Jordan almost have the exact same laugh. <laughs> Could you tell that when you're listening work? <laughs> it was hard to tell who was laughing or not. <laughs> it's similar. It's similar. But I think Jordan's is higher pitched than yours. Okay, maybe, like, maybe. I know I got a deep voice. Yeah, like you're down here, and then Jordan is up here, sort of, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's similar, but not as close as I think you think. I think because you're like you're 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 too close to it. Uh Whereas yeah, like, well, a third party like me is like, oh, no, Jordan's a little higher, you know? Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to confuse anybody. <laughs> you and Jordan should start a podcast and just of you guys laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have it be a, a game show type podcast. Yeah. See who can guess who's laughing at what joke or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that's it for everything else. Um, uh, we do have some comics uh, for this episode. Uh, Detective Comics number 969 and Doomsday Clock number 1. Um, but like we say at the beginning of every single episode, Tim, there's going to be a lot of, lot of, a lot of, a lot of spoilers. Right, Tim? <laughs> but wait, are there a lot of spoilers, Dane? <laughs> there are, I just want to be clear. <laughs> there are a lot. Um, so if you haven't read books pause it right now read detective comics and doomsday clock and uh come back to this part um and a rating scale for this episode is going to be what is it tim was it aquaman yahoo moments (laughs) (laughs) that's all he does in the movie is like yeah 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 (laughs) my man he, he he's just broing through that whole movie yeah. <laughs> oh man um so yeah um that's gonna be a rating scale um uh, uh aquaman i almost said wonder man <laughs> wonder man <laughs> aquaman woohoo moments in justice league so All uh right. yeah detective comics tim Number 969.
Yeah, this one felt like, you know, the good old days of the early rebirth issues of Detective Comics because we got the team back together. Tim Drake's back. Stephanie Brown's back. Oh, and, finally. You know, yeah. My only question or problem is, is that it's got a feeling it's not going to last very long. So <laughs> I got to enjoy it while I can. So, yeah, I like this issue. Like I said, it was good to see the team finally back together. I mean, it starts off with one of the new mayor in Gotham saying, you know, typical thing. City doesn't need vigilantes. We got the police force and all that. So that's going to be an issue Batman's going to have to deal with. But then we see Stephanie Brown. Uh, you see, in, you would think that they would learn after, after a while. <laughs> like maybe like the fourth or fifth mayor would be like, you know what? Having superheroes around, it's, it's, it's a good thing. You would think so. But, I mean, yeah. he says right here in this panel, Gotham City has the police force. It does not need a second. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Apparently, it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> okay, so I think Batman should just take a little break, and the whole team should just take a little break, and then, you know, I guess, if we, let's say the Joker shows up with something, his new plan, and then it's like, oh no, I I can't, according to the mayor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talk about a really anticlimactic and lame way to end a series on. Let's say like Detective Comic was ending is because the mayor said, no, we don't need a second police force. (laughs) Okay, we better stop. I mean, I guess I can't do anything because the mayor said. Yeah, I've been following the law all this time, but now. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, nothing new there, but we'll see what develops of that story. But the main thrust of it, Stephanie Brown, you know, is visiting uh, Anarchy at Arkham. You know, Anarchy is still trying to get Stephanie Brown to join the victim syndicate and what they have and how it's growing. And it's not just, you know, those original five people. It's going to become a lot more. But, you know, Stephanie Brown's not here. And it says it's a mistake to come here. I did like how Clayface, you know, was either, you know, just keeping tabs on her because he was shapeshifted to an inmate in Arkham. And he just goes, hey, Steph, is that you? And she's like, yells at him, like, be quiet. I didn't sign in with that name. And he's all, hey, like, has he seen you yet? And she goes, no, I told Batman to leave me alone. He's like, oh, shoot. You know, he, she doesn't know Tim's back, but he doesn't get a chance to tell her. But we do get the moment where Stephanie and Tim do reunite. I'm glad it wasn't dragged out or drawn out so long where they kept missing each other or Tim didn't want to see her. No, he went to her right away. It was a great moment as Tim knocked on a door and just the expression on her face you know, with some great artwork here where she puts her hands over her mouth. She's crying and just in shock. But then she has a big smile on her face too, just showing how happy he is and, you know, how unbelievable that Tim is still alive. And Tim was funny with some dialogue to say, no, I had this whole, you know, thing planned out. How I was going to tell you that I wasn't really dead. It wasn't a secret mission. Batman had me on or anything like that. It was just something really weird where I was trapped, but she just tells him to shut up and, you know, she hugs him, kisses him. So it was, I was glad they didn't have anything. Like I said, it wasn't drawn out and that she was mad at him. Like, I thought you were dead. How could you do this to me? Where have you been? It was just, she was happy to see him and that's it. And how, you know, Tim was going to get her back to join the team where he tells her, you know, I got some things to take care of what I want to achieve with, you know, the Gotham Knights protocol. But after that, you know, she's she she's like tells him, yeah, that means you're going to once you're done, you're going to be able to go to the university. He's all. Yeah. I first I got to take care of some things. So but we get later get revealed that Batman or Batwoman's talking to Tim as they're <laughs> in or investigating or doing a stakeout on killer moth is trying to bring killer mouth out of all villains trying to bring like some of the crime bosses and their you know underlings together since uh batman and this gotham the gotham knights team now that they're back in full force are just taking all these crime uh, 
circles down real easily and they have to come together to try to stop them. But with Killer Moth in charge, it's probably not going to go down pretty good. So Batwoman and Robin or Red Robin are, you know, staking out that meeting above the building. And but Batwoman calls Tim out, telling him, you know, that, you know, I could see right through you. You haven't told Stephanie Brown that you have no intentions of, you know, leaving the team once you're done with your Gotham Knights protocol and that you're not going to go to the Ivy University. And Tim's all, yeah, but I don't want to put too much on her plate. And I'll tell her when it's right and all that. So I get the feeling this is all going to blow up in Tim's face where he's going to keep it a secret. Stephanie's probably going to be mad at him all over again. It's just going to cause more friction, which is why, you know, I'm not hopeful that this, you know, reunion of the team is going to last very long as much as I want it to. I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, kind of see where this is going but hopefully you know james tinian will throw us a curveball and not do the typical thing here with regards to tim and stephanie so we'll just have to wait and see but it was a pretty fun moment where killer moth thinks he's got this group of supervillain teams together with firefly the rat catcher zaz and uh, solomon grundy to take down batman's team but turns out you know the team was one up ahead of killer moth anyway because grundy is actually clayface and then and the team just comes in and takes down killer moth and these other um, villains that were there so that was fun and then batman does confront the mayor and this is look like it's going to be batman's antagonist for a little bit in detective you know because the mayor is not going to back down uh, from saying he doesn't need batman or his team that the police should be able to do it so that's gonna be a, looks like an issue and then the crime syndicate or the victim syndicate is going to be coming back because somehow they got anarchy out of arkham already so they must have had some inside sources there because they're actually all in Arkham, but they're being released by the guards. So maybe they paid some people off. But the victim syndicate is back in full force with its team with Anarchy now. And they're, you know, going to wreak havoc on Batman and his team, showing them that, you know, it's like that. I believe the victim leader just said, you know, it's time for them to know what it's like to be a victim. And this story arc is called Fall of the Batman. So. Like I said, looks like things are good right now with the team back in full force, but I don't think it's going to last. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if the victim syndicate has anything to do with that. But overall, a really good issue of uh, great character interactions. Like I said, seeing the team together again was really cool. So I'm going to give it four out of five Aquaman woohoo moments <laughs> in Justice League. But now we get to the big one, Doomsday Clock issue one. And I got to say, reading this one when it first came out, put me on a real Watchmen kick <laughs> for the last week. I rewatched the movie. You know, I really like the movie. I think it's really, really good. And then I got the comic digitally now when DC was having their sale. And I got a bunch of the, or not a bunch, all of them, of the before Watchmen comics. I never read those. So once DC was having that sale, I really wanted to dive in and to read those stories. I think I asked you this before, Dane, but I can't remember. Did you read any of those before Watchmen books? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, I just didn't think that that was a good idea. Sure. I know a lot of people were (laughs) kind of skeptical. But I am a big fan of Watchmen, so I'm just curious to hear. Or You haven't read Watchmen, right? No, I have, yeah. Oh, you have. Mm. Uh, I'm just wondering how, like, you think of Doomsday Clock and the, the Watchmen being in, you know, the DC universe and stuff. Yeah, so real quick, though, I just want to say that I've read three of the before Watchmen stories. And I've enjoyed all of them actually. But the, I read the comedian Rorschach in the Minutemen. Rorschach I thought was, was great. Comedian was good too, but the Minutemen one was probably my favorite so far. Just 
getting that history of, you know, the first <laughs> team up of the superheroes with the original Night Owl and Silk Spectre, Comedian, and some of the other characters in there, like Hooded Justice. So just getting, you know, how that team dynamic was in that story was really cool. And, you know, kind of elevated Hollis Mason, the original Night Owl, as, <laughs> as a character, in my opinion. And what he did amongst that era of being a hero it was a really good story. And Darwin Cook doing the story and the art. The artwork just was so perfect of telling a superhero story in that era. It was just really, really good. So uh, I haven't read all of them yet. I still got read Night Owl, Dr. Manhattan, Ozymandias, and to see how those are. But I think Minutemen might be the best one. So if you're going to read any of them, I would highly suggest that one. The artwork and the story is really, really good. But Doomsday Clock, number one, is finally here. The potential, technically the sequel to Watchmen. And, you know, I think it had a lot of people on the edge to see how it was going to be. With Jeff Johns and Gary Frank in charge of it, I'm pretty, you know, confident that they're going to deliver something good. And it starts off, you know, paying homage to how the original Watchmen comic started off. And leading up to this, Jeff Johns was doing like these interviews and giving these, you know, previews of the first five pages and showing or sharing little details about it. And I liked how he said how it was kind of the opposite of how what the original Watchmen started off, where you had you know, the original panels where at the end of the last one on the first page, it had like the landscape where you were looking up showing, you know, things from above. But in this one, it it's the, uh, <laughs> I'll try to remember the exact word, but I got the comic right here. It says during the monologue here, it says, uh, we need to bring the God back down. And it's from a down perspective as we're seeing a mob, you know, storming Vite industries. So this, I didn't, it's just those little, comparisons and parallels to the original Watchmen that were, you know, similar to it, but yet doing something different for this new story. And it's kind of throughout the issue where there's stuff like that, that I thought was really cool that Jeff Johns did. So the issue starts with, you know, a monologue from, we're assuming is Rorschach, kind of not his journal, but he's saying what's on his mind. And I like how it starts off where it's November 22nd, 1992. So quite a few years after the Watchmen ended, but then it says, or maybe it's the 23rd. And in those preview videos, Jeff Johns is saying he wanted to, you know, really stress how this Rorschach is kind of, you know, not as sure of himself <laughs> as, you know, the last one was or, you know, wasn't quite doesn't have the memory or, like I said, the confidence or the assurance that maybe uh, it was needed to be in this role. So we get a little more hint of that of him not remembering certain things throughout the, the course of the issue. But it's starting out with this group of protesters, which becomes a riot. Like I said, they stormed Vite Industries and we're getting news reports of how, you know, everything that was done at the end of Watchmen where Ozymandias, you know, issued, brought about world peace through that, his manipulation of that uh, alien invasion and killing all those people in New York and how the whole thing was based on a lie, really. So, but the truth came out, you know, all the original Watchmen ended kind of in an open-ended way where, you know, Rorschach's journals got delivered to that uh, paper, but we didn't know if it would ever get published. It was, I guess, kind of left to the reader to decide if the truth would come out or not. But now it definitely came out that Rorschach's journal did get published. And now the truth is out there. And I know I've read some reactions and saw some YouTube videos about, you know, that being a complaint about this story. But for me personally, when I read Watchmen, I kind of assumed that was going to happen. I always took it that the truth would come out through Rorschach's journal. So this wasn't a huge surprise or it, 
anything that takes away from the original story, I think it's a natural you know progression for that to happen. They had a few good years of peace, but eventually the truth did come out, and now everything is just you know really turning into a nightmare. Even this monologue from Rorschach says, you know, we shattered the American dream. This is the American nightmare. So the issue starts with that, like I said, just showing the world is at unrest. There's, you know, the threat of nuclear war is closer than ever now between, you know, Russia uh, and the U.S. and just trouble all across the globe and the manhunt going on for uh, Adrian Veidt because of what he did and how <laughs> he just misled everybody. And now everything's worse as much as he wanted to improve things because of that lie. He actually made things worse once the truth came out. So we just get little panels of showing what the world and the condition and state of everything is right now and how bad things are going. But then we get to a sequence as Rorschach is still doing his monologue. And that's the thing, as I said before, where this monologue makes it sound like it is Rorschach talking, but there's little differences. Like I said, he wasn't sure what date it is, but the way he talks is very similar to what you expect the original Rorschach in his monologue and entries from a diet. His diaries were in the first Watchmen story. So we get to a point where people are freaking out. Police are leaving the jail because of the threat of nuclear war and how, you know, the missiles could launch at any minute. They're trying to escape and there's prison inmates, you know, just telling them, Hey, like let us out. And then we see Rorschach punch out a guard to steal the keys and the, <laughs> the prison inmates like, Oh crap. And there's this, like I said, Gary Frank's artwork is really, really good in this issue. Just seeing their first shot of Rorschach picking up the keys is in the same suit. Everything looks like the original Rorschach. And even the way he talks to the prison inmates, he's like, you still want out? And the prison inmate says, no, man, I'm cool. <laughs> Just go on your business. So Rorschach is in this prison to break someone out, someone named the marionette. And, you know, he wants, he makes a deal with her saying, you know, you help me. I'll help you find your son who's, I guess, missing here. And the marionette says, okay, but first we need my husband. Rorschach doesn't want to take him, but... In order for her to go, they need to find him. And this is someone called the uh, the Mime, who's you know could probably make for a decent Batman villain. He's someone who doesn't talk. He's you know he lives up to his name, the Mime. He tries to pretend like he's you know a nobody, but it's all for show. Once things get going, there's a prison fight, and the inmates try to take him out in the fight, but he lets them think they're gonna beat him up. But then you know once he sees his wife in Rorschach, he starts his performance as marionette. <laughs> uh, describes and just takes out all these inmates so rorschach reluctantly has to bring him along and there was a funny moment where uh his wife marionette says uh you know my husband needs his weapons and rorschach there's no time but like he he doesn't leave without his weapons and i don't leave without my husband so they go to you know where to pick up his weapons at the prison there's nothing there but he like living up to his name is mine he still takes like he's pretending he's taking the weapons putting on a belt taking a gun and all that and Rorschach's like, oh, man, you guys have big problems. <laughs> and so um, they make it their way out of the prison uh, into the sewer to where Rorschach is meeting his partner. And he all he tells Marionette and the mime is that, you know, I'm here to bring God back and hinting at his Dr. Manhattan. This is another scenario where Rorschach shows that this probably isn't the original Rorschach because that's the thing throughout the course of reading it is I didn't part of me thinks, oh, this could be him. But then, oh, he's saying things that aren't like the original Rorschach. But then it gets made clear pretty definitely that this isn't, you know, the original Rorschach. Because uh, Marionette asks him, you know, like, how do I know you're not really him? And he just 
shows her by taking off his glove and his hand. It looks like it's, he's an African-American as he shows her the skin tone of his hand once he takes off his glove. So it's definitely not the original Rorschach, but there's you know hints where it is someone who either did his homework or is very similar to the original. So it's going to be interesting to see who exactly is the new Rorschach. And part of me is thinking it might be someone for the DC universe. I don't know who yet, but knowing how you know things are going to cross over, wouldn't it be a huge surprise if we find out that whoever's taking up the mantle of Rorschach is from the DC universe? So Rorschach and the two inmates, uh, Mime and Marionette, make it to you know the old lair of the Night Owl. But it's not Night Owl who they're meeting. It's actually Ozymandias. And he pretty much lays out his plan. And you know, like I said, every, there's a manhunt going on for him. He's like the most wanted man in the world. But he's been hiding out in the old Night Owl's lair and is actually working with this new Rorschach. And th- like they said, their goal is to bring back Dr. Manhattan. That's what they want. And these things are falling apart for Ozymandias. He now has uh, a tumor which, you know, he was uh, just saying how everything he planned is kind of backfiring on him, where he gave those people cancer to make it, you know, look like it was Dr. Manhattan. But now he's been infected by that, by all that as well. So it doesn't necessarily, I think, pretty much say his exact plans as to why he wants to bring Dr. Manhattan. He just says, you know, my dream has died. And, you know, I can't save the world, you know, now. And like no one has the power to except Dr. Manhattan. So looks like he's still his intentions are still to save the world. But through Dr. Manhattan now, I just don't know how he plans to do that. So that's where like the first portion of this issue ends on the Watchmen front of things where, you know, like I said, the plan is to get Dr. Manhattan. But they're saying no one's seen him in years. And he goes, yeah, I'm aware his, the last thing he says is, I'm leaving this galaxy for one less complicated. And that's the mission that Rorschach, Ozymandias, and now Mime and Marionette have to do. They have to find out where Dr. Manhattan is. But then after that, this was <laughs> this is the part where I think really made you know, how cool and awesome this crossover of Doomsday Clock is going to be. Because after that meeting with Ozymandias, we get over to Metropolis and we see, you know, Clark sleeping in his apartment. But then we get a flashback to a memory he has, the last memory of his parents, where he's going to the prom, feeling unsure of himself. And then Martha and Jonathan Kent die in a car accident. And that wakes Clark up, you know, screaming. And Lois says to him, like, Clark, Clark, he had a nightmare. The whole a room was shaking. Like, and Clark goes, I know, I had a dream of my parents' death. And Lois, I can't remember the last time he had a nightmare. He goes, I don't think I've ever had one. So, you know, kind of one of those things of foreshadowing that bad things are about to come <laughs> once, you know, everything uh, gets, you know, comes to a front with Dr. Manhattan in the DC universe. So um, that's where the issue ended with Superman and Lois talking about his nightmare. But then afterwards, there is like these back pages of showing, you know, clippings of newspapers from the story and like the fallout of everything that happened after Watchmen. Like there's a newspaper article from the New York Gazette about the great lie and how. Ozymandias' plot got revealed. And then there's an interesting one about Rorschach's journal and how the original guy who found it at that newspaper was actually murdered and the journal is now missing. So all these little mysteries and stuff that's being laid out, not necessarily in the main story, but in these backup pages here, I thought was a cool, nice touch in that Watchmen style as well. So I love this issue. I thought it was a great start to what's going to be an epic story with <laughs> With Watchmen and then also the DC Universe. There wasn't much of the crossover as I was expecting in this first issue, but I think it's laying off the groundwork for some really interesting stuff 
the fact we have a new Rorschach and he's working with Ozymandias and they're trying to find Dr. Manhattan. And we know that Dr. Manhattan is within the DC universe. So how they're all going to come together or come across is going to be very, very interesting. And I'm fascinated about Rorschach's journal too. Like I said, that little newspaper clipping that the guy who, that that newspaper who published it was murdered and now the books is missing. And there's that cover of Batman was Rorschach's journal looking at it in the back cave. So does he get his hands on it as well? Um, like he has with the button. So I'm just fascinated, excited to where all this is going to go. So I'm going to give this four and a half out of five uh, Aquaman Yahoo moments in Justice League because this book did its job is not only getting me excited for the story, but like I said, it really put me in a Watchmen mood last week, watching the movie, getting those uh, before Watchmen comic stories and enjoying those. Just getting immersed in that world again has been really fun. So I'm looking forward to the whole year of Doomsday Clock. Like I said, there's 12 issues of this and we just got the first one and the next one doesn't come out to January. So it's going to be a long wait. So yeah, it's just great to see these characters again, even though some are different and I just can't wait for the potential of seeing them with the DC universe. So I, like I said, it did its job. I'm excited for it. I can't wait for more. So yeah, four and a half out of five. I thought it was a great starting point for this massive, massive event. So can't wait for more. So it's, it's going to be like a whole year of Watchmen for you. <laughs> Pretty much. So most, hopefully there's no delays. <laughs> you know, sometimes there could be delays with right, this book. Right. So. All right. So I guess that's it, right? Yep. That's it for this one. All right. Just go to the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse. Uh, the Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse. Our show's Twitter handle is at BatfansPodcasts. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. And... My Twitter handle is at Dane says banana. Um, if you want to email the show, you can email the show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. And yeah, rate and review us on iTunes. So, with that, like we say at the end of every single episode, Dan. We love each and every one of you with all of our bad hearts. <laughs> with all of our bad hearts. So, with that, see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.